All right, James chapter 1, verse 12 is our text today. Sermon I've titled, Don't Quit. You know, and you think about that, don't quit. You know, some of you guys, maybe you've experienced this. You know, your wife sits down there, she gives a good rub down on those shoulders and in the back a little bit, you know, and just, it's good. And, and then by the time she starts to stop, you say, oh, don't quit, don't quit, you know, keep on going. And, and you want her to quit, and, then, and so she does, she keeps on going. Then she tells you her mother's coming. Um, but no, not, that's a good thing, okay. Uh, but uh, uh, nonetheless, so you, you have it and you're thinking, oh, don't quit, that feels so good. And this text today is really along that line. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Now, temptation has the idea also of trials and tribulations that you're going through for the Lord, for righteousness' sake. So, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, again, the Lord has promised. He doesn't ever go back on His word. God has promised. And you think about that. Don't quit. Well, that, you know what they said about me at that church. You know what that guy did. I had a bad experience in church. Or I had this bad thing happen to me. Uh, so, <clears throat> is that a reason to quit? If you're going to quit on what God wants you to do, then don't expect God, now he, he doesn't quit on you, but don't expect His power and His blessings when you've quit on Him. And so the idea today is don't quit. Well, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, thank You for the opportunity once again to have the undeserved privilege of preaching Your Word. And yet, Lord, I pray that for this message that You've impressed on my heart, uh, I know it's your message, and it's what you wanted me to deliver as a messenger. And so, Father, I want to do that, and do that exactly the way you want it done today. In Jesus Christ's most precious and holy name I pray. Amen. There is a term that I could use to uh, turn this uh, generation today, which uh, would not apply to everybody, but it would apply to a great many. I believe. And I believe that that uh, term that I could apply to this generation of the day, and I'm not talking about young people, say, young people, well, well, maybe it's middle age. No, I'm just talking about everybody in general, the generation of America today. I would call it the spoiled generation. I want to just share some bullet points to begin with here. Uh, showing you the decaying of our country. Now, there are other things that I want to go into, but I just want to show you the decaying of our country. Yeah, parents, we have this in the school, but it's not just here in the school. Uh, you go to a police station, kids got in trouble, it happens at the police station as well, but, uh, or in the court. And, and a parent comes in claiming, I'm standing up for my child. And so they come to the school, and it's not that my child should have been obeying the rules, it's you shouldn't have those rules. 
uh, did you know that we had those rules coming in? Yes, but I didn't think it meant it. You know, and we've actually got that answer before. And so uh, they come in there, police stations, whatever, and they think they're standing up for them, but the truth is they are removing from them accepting personal responsibility. Lessons that they need to learn if they're going to grow up and be good men and women instead of leeches of society with an entitlement mindset. There is a rising tide of Marxism in this country, whether you realize it or not. It flaunts itself in America. Their disciples have a controlling power today in business, in education, in media, in sports, in government. You see the moral decadence of sexual perversion in this country. The moral decadence that has ruined many marriages. Corruption of the moral decadence causes with the idea of same-sex marriage or of murder by abortion. And by the way, for those in my age group, I mean, we were promised three score and ten. I've passed that, but nonetheless, uh, look for coming to your country on a regular basis, euthanasia. Don't be surprised when it shows its head. In short, this generation believes it is owed a living. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10. Matter of fact, uh, I, I will just insert this. I don't have it in my message, but I'll insert it. Uh, some people say, well, all you guys stand up there and say something good about Republicans never think nothing good about a Democrat. Now, let me say something good about a Democrat by the name of Bill Clinton. He said, preacher, you have gone off your rocker. No, I'm going to say this was a good thing, but in his presidential administration, in the early years of it, he said, uh, the welfare, I'm concerned about it. And he says, we want people to work to earn the welfare that we give. What was wrong with that? What was wrong with that? I think it was a good idea. My dad, actually, he had a poverty program that he strongly supported. It was called work. It was called work. Expecting money without work is evidence of no, absolutely no character. Pornography. The unscientific gender confusion descriptions. And it is unscientific, by the way. If they were all those genders, you would know it at birth. We always knew when a baby was born that it was a boy. We always knew if it was a girl. If it's a true gender, then you ought to know it when it's born. 
And then on top of everything else, education today filled with the, not only the unscientific and failing control of these people, they are teaching critical thinking which questions you as parents, questions law, questions authority, questions your constitution, questions education. The only thing that's not allowed to question is them. They need the Lord. Not only do we see a spoiled generation bringing in decay to responsible society, void now a society that's void of ethics, void of morals, and especially rejecting the place of high esteem for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I've heard even in our own community of public schools that you're not allowed to use the name of Jesus unless it's in a swearing type of a way. My question then is do we quit on our country? Do we surrender all that is good and moral and right according to the Word of God? Do we avoid all of that so we don't have to pay a price in order to stand? Well, simply if that's the case, that is not enduring trials and temptations. The real test of James chapter 1 and verse 12 must be seen by the local church. You see, we not only have a decaying country, but we've seen also the decay of the local church. And Satan has his sights, all of his, the fullness of his weaponry set on the local church. And understand, as 1 Peter 4 says, judgment begins at the house of God. We're talking about the fall of America? No. Better look at the fall of the church, the local church. That, I believe, will come first. Through Marxist, socialist, entrenched people against God and against His house, the question is, is will you stand or will you quit? Will you stand or will you quit? I want to, this is stuff that uh, I've gotten from some places, other stuff is just my own, but I just put it together. And I says, you know, I'm, I'm not going to remember all of that. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> okay. So I'm not going to remember it all. So I says, let me type it out here and just put it together. So I did. And Again, I want to present it this way from this verse in Luke chapter 14, verse 27. This is the way I'm prefacing it all. From the lips, and this is from the lips of Jesus Christ. It says, And whosoever doth not, okay, now listen, this is Christ speaking, doth not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. 
He's not saying to those, that group then that they're not saved. He's saying, if you want to be used to me, you want to be blessed to me, you want my power on your life, you want me to hear your prayers, you're going to be a disciple, you're going to study Jesus, you're going to know Jesus, you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to be a Christian, Christ-like. If you're going to do that, if you won't lift your cross when there's a trial, when there's a tribulation, you won't lift your cross and follow him, then you can't be his disciple. And so, you've got to lift your cross, bear his cross, and follow him. If you're saved, if you won't lift that cross when it's under trial, when it's under fire, then you're simply saved so as by fire type of a person who will one day have eyes filled with tears and you are revealed before all heaven at that day of the judgment seat of Christ where saved people are judged. And they'll see how little you regarded your salvation. Now, you think of that, because it is a reality. It is a reality that we will face one day. And in the past, two passages addressed to, to Christians, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. <laughs> Nobody in church knows about it. They will. If you don't get it right with God before you die, they will. If you don't get it right with people before you die, it will. It'll be known. The hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. What? I mean, the counsels of my heart, those things and those other, you mean, wouldn't have praise? Yeah, because you're going to see how great the grace of God was in saving us when those things of your heart that you know are wrong. In Mark 4, 22, Jesus is talking. He says, for, where, uh, for, where is, uh, for there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. You get caught up to be with the Lord and you're at that judgment seat of Christ. Just remember, we'll be known for it all. But praise God for the cleansing power and blood of Jesus Christ. But what you'll do by that, what it is with that blood and that other stuff on our hands, what we'll see is, you know, our works are tried by fire, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll see the reward. We'll see the prize. We'll see the crown for those that endure. If we didn't endure, we'll see it burned up. Saved, so as by fire. Now continue to listen as I read. A group of men gathered and prayed together. They also got in the scriptures. And went from what the scriptures had to say, although they weren't the same de denomination or persuasion, although they were people 
who named the name of Christ. But they got together and allowed the Word of God to direct them. They wrote a declaration, that is the Declaration of Independence, along with the Bill of Rights, followed by the Constitution with the idea it should be based on the Bible. Old and New Testaments, therefore we call it the Judeo-Christian ethic because of that. It was not written as a living document that changes with the culture. Rather, it was written as a document of morals, of ethics, of righteousness, which comes from God's Word. And by the way, that same First Congress also said Bibles in every school. And so, they may not have agreed all the way on their doctrines, but they agreed that the Bible was the Word of God and it was right for our country. And so, they saw it as this written document and for life, which means it would be good in all generations because the Word of God endureth forever. And so, as a result of that, it would be a part of the law of this land till Jesus Christ comes back. And now, when you think of that, this word has been tried. This document now is strongly opposed. Many, back when they put that document out, when they had it written and it was put forth, they knew that it might cost them their lives. Yet, they committed themselves because they knew it would be worth it all. They knew that in the long run, by the Word of God, it was right. It was right. And many of those guys, they lost their homes and lands. Some of them would come back from the fight and find that their families had been slain. Many of them gave their lives for it. What about today with what we see going on? The reason the world is not seeing Jesus is that uh, God's people, the Christian, were not filled with Jesus. Oh, we have Christ in our heart but He doesn't have too much of us. They are satisfied with attending meetings uh, maybe once a week, reading a Bible portion occasionally, even praying sometimes, professing to be Christians, and yet they are lifeless, not carrying the cross in His ministry and service, and in a place in their lives it seems to be parallel to unbelievers' lives. And it's difficult to tell which place they are. They name the name of Christ, but if the truth be known, they're not walking in the Spirit. They're walking in a flesh that says this is acceptable to 
good fellow men, whether they're saved or not. That's not Christianity, folks. The Bible has men that were martyred for the cause of Christ. Stephen is stoned to death for preaching the word. The man that gives consent to that, that has the authority to consent and put it through his name is at the time Saul, it was changed to Paul, and he also was martyred for the faith later. We think of Simon Peter, the great apostle, who was martyred for the faith of Christ. We think of all the disciples, with the exception of one, they were martyred for the gospel of Christ that they preached and in different lands that they were sent to. The one that was not martyred, they tried to. That was the Apostle John. He was boiled in oil. They thought that's it for him. He survived. And the book of Revelation followed. I think of those in the Old Testament. There was Isaiah. Now I think of that. That was the hardest one for me because we find Hebrews somewhere sawn asunder, and we find out in uh, rabbinic writings Isaiah was sawn in half while he was still alive. That was his martyrdom for standing for God. What's right? The word. I can't imagine that. But he stood. But they knew when they did that, when the three Hebrew children were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, they did not know. They even told Nebuchadnezzar, if not, we're still not going to bow down to your false god. If it means our death, it means our death. Why? They knew heaven was so much better than what Nebuchadnezzar could ever offer them. They knew it was better. And it comes down to that these people, down through the church age, there, there are books like Fox's Book of Martyrs and others on, on people that died for the cause of Christ. All they had to do was deny Christ. And they did not quit. And they did not cower. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16 says it this way. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked fall into mischief. In other words, he doesn't quit. Peter denied the Lord, remember, three times. But guess what? Peter got back up. It's not that we never fail, but if you're going to be a righteous man, if you're going to bear the cross for Christ, get back up. That's what we do. We not only see a decaying country and a decaying local church, the question now becomes the people of our own, our own fundamental, independent Baptist churches. Are we decaying to the fear of man, going away from the fear of God? You know, that actually happened before in the Old Testament. 
When God wanted to save Israel, he said in Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 30 and 31, And I sought for a man among them that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. God didn't want to destroy the land of Israel. He just looked for righteous men, just like in the day of Lot. If there's just ten righteous people, I won't destroy it. And God could not find a man. As a matter of fact, when men did come, prophets and others came to preach to them, they would stone them to death and kill them. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your land is left unto you desolate. And that's exactly what happened. Matthew chapter 23 tells us. As Jesus looked over Jerusalem and wept for it. People quit. They did not endure. And so in verse 31, he goes on to say, Therefore have I poured out mine indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. You see, Worse than politics is the spineless preaching that's entering even into independent Baptist fundamental pulpits. And yet, when judgment begins at the house of God, don't, 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 don't blame government. It'll be the churches that did not bear the cross, the preachers that did not bear the cross. Israel was God's people. He made an eternal, everlasting covenant with them. Well, if you're saved, you've got an eternal, everlasting covenant as well. But that doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory. No. You've got an enemy, the devil. And it's your chance to show God, that you're serious about your faith and you're going to remain faithful. People with whom he has made an everlasting covenant, like with Israel, who was God's people. What happened? Well, they wanted to be like the other countries. If you read Jeremiah chapter, chapter 41 through 43, you'll find that they began to worship at the temple just like the others. And when Jeremiah pointed it out, they said, well, things were better then. Oh, yeah? It cost you your country. And right now you're fleeing to Babylon to get away. Uh, you're fleeing to Egypt to get away from the Babylonian army that's coming. Things were better. Well, 
They got tough. We see it today. Israel lost their morals, and corruption hit their worship. And yet, their morals, their morals fell apart. But they had the word. They had the word. And we've got the word. Although Israel was in the land, today they've not been back to what it once was. And it won't even come close to that until Jesus comes back and sets up that millennial reign. Then it'll be back. But understand, he wanted it that way all along. But you see, when they were right with God, things went pretty well. Yes, God did send prophets to them. He tried to call them back. It wasn't just a one-time thing. He called it over and over again, and they rejected it over and over and over and over again. And because of that, because of that, these people lost everything God wanted them to have. You know what? They're doing the same thing that I see churches doing today, even in our Baptist. I mean, we've seen so many go on. We've talked about others going on, but I see some in our own groups doing that. We've got to be relevant. Why do we want to be relevant to the devil? Why do we want to be relevant to the world? I want to be relevant to God. You know, one of the things going around, bus ministry doesn't work anymore. And there is, that's true, it doesn't. You know why? Because people don't get on buses, they don't go out and work on it, they don't try to bring boys and girls to Christ, they don't try to go out and reach homes, they won't go out and do the work, they won't get up on Sunday and go out. That's why bus ministry don't work. If you don't do it, it doesn't work. Well, I don't have time. Oh yeah, man, alive. You don't have time. You think that's going to hold water at the judgment seat of Christ? He calls you, you better go. You better go. Churches across this land sound like a nightclub. You have women dressing in the attire of a harlot, as Proverbs tells us. Men are going to church dressed like they're going to play a ball game afterwards, or they're going golfing afterwards, or something else. Many people will miss church on a Sunday evening because of the Super Bowl being on. Many will miss church because hunting season's coming up. Many will miss church because now certain kinds of fishing is being opened up to go, and so they can go to that, and they want to do that, and they'll miss church for it. Why don't you miss your job? Because your job is more important to you than God. Uh, no, Pastor, that's not true. Yes, yes, it is true because your actions speak louder than your words. Okay, now, preacher, you're being too hard. No, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. And if you can't take the truth, you have to lose your church, lose your country, and lose your freedom in order to believe the truth. Too many, too many states showed us something this past 
couple years with the COVID thing. Closing down churches. Now, just think of that. Remember those uh, three Hebrew children got thrown into fiery furnace? The government said, so you're supposed to do what government says. Government said, bow down to these, this image or get into a fiery furnace. They didn't. So they got what they deserved because they just disobeyed God by obeying government. No, they obeyed God because the Bible said, no other gods. So, the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Why do we quit having church? Because the government said to quit having church. Now look, I'm not complaining. I'm just trying to warn us. What we've got to understand is those three Hebrew children, they stood and they didn't quit when they could have quit, when they were offered an opportunity to quit and not take it. Be like the old, new, the old guy, I think it was Pliny, that said when they got ready to uh, burn him at the stake, says, if you'll just, if you'll just now deny the Lord Jesus, we'll spare you. Boy, his answer. Eighty and six years my Lord has been faithful to me. Why should I turn on him now? Wow. You see, no, don't, 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 don't quit. You know, when you feel like I'm the only one. So what? So what? God is more than all the world. Greater is in he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is victory in Jesus. Now it's been years since there are many Christians that have come to an altar. They say, okay, well I'm just going to take care of it right back here. Oh, that's great. Well, how'd you do with that? Did it bring about the change? Taking care of it back there? You see, we can't let the church get into a morass of a trying to identify in that muddy morass of the world to identify with them, to be relevant to them. They don't need to be made relevant to what they are, they need to be brought to Jesus Christ so that He can change them. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We just simply need to turn to Jesus Christ and turn others to Christ. And we've got to live the way of Christ. Some used to work on the bus. Some used to go to visitation. Some used to come early for the prayer times. Some used to do this. They used to do that. What is your daily time with the Lord? Is it something like a ritual, but you're not really taking anything from it? So, how will you stand when the forces of evil desire to take your church, your Bible? Will it be the time we wake up? So, what I want to bring you to is this. There's a crown for those that don't quit. It's not for everybody in the church, only for those that don't quit. It's not for 
anybody that's saved is for those that don't quit. Stand true to God. Stand true to His Word. Do what He says. Now, if you're not saved here today, you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven or hell. You say, man, boy, Pastor, I'm glad to see you burn those Christians today. No, I didn't burn them. I'm trying to exhort them to stay true. But I can tell you this. If you go before the God and just try to use of a bad church experience or some bad Christians or what somebody did to you as a reason you didn't get saved, you realize God won't accept that in heaven. You'll still burn in hell forever if you don't get saved. Jesus come, He died for your sins, and the Bible says very clearly, every one of us in Romans 14, 12, shall give an account of Himself unto God. Be responsible. Jesus doesn't owe you eternal life, but He'll give you eternal life if you'll come to Him in repentance and faith, believing that He died for your sins and He was buried and He rose from the dead. He died for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. He died for that. He rose up from the dead victorious over hell and the grave. That's why He has the keys of hell and of death. Therefore, if you want to have eternal life in heaven, instead of burning in hell forever and ever, you better come to Him, commit your life to Him, receive Him in your heart and life as your Lord and Savior. And He says that if you'll come to Him, He'll in no wise cast you out. Will you do it today? Let's bow our heads, please.